Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to see all of you here today. Thank you for the church leadership for allowing me to share your pulpits this evening um, to preach to in this church. I bring greetings from Bible College of Malaysia. Uh, we are the National College of the Assemblies of God. Uh, last year, we have about 700 over students studying with us, and we just graduated about 40 over students of them in the last graduations. Um, we, we ask that you continue to pray with us because we are living in a very challenging time. Right? Though we have students, though we have resources, but the training is getting harder and harder. The context that we serve is getting more complicated, like what your pastor says, right? We're just in a discussion. You know, those days when we prepare Bible school, you just teach them to preach, teach, enough lah. You know, they go to church, they will survive. But today, after you have done those basic things, they go to the church, they are faced with a very, very difficult context, right? They'll deal with different, different issues, from broken families to, you know, misplaced of funds and all these kind of things are happening in the churches today. So we need your prayer. So do pray for us. And, but of course, if you want to find out more about Bible school, about our college, feel free to go to our website, bcm.org.my. Right. So I don't bring any hard copies materials today because we are in the new era. <laughs> Everything is done online, right? So just feel free, go to our website, bcm.org.my. You get all our latest information from there. Now, today, your pastor gave me a very interesting topic to speak about. And it's about multi-generation church. Oh, yeah, it's a very interesting topic, and I'm all for it. Because um, the current trend of business talk in the marketplace is that um, more and more researchers have shown that having an inclusive team, that means if your organization, especially the leadership teams, have a more diverse group that includes of different generations, different races and ethics groups, different genders, the more diverse your group is, the better it is to make business decisions. And one guy by the name Eric Larson, he proposed this in his research. He posted it in Forbes.com. And according to him, based on his research, he had done all the, the, the surveys and things like that. He discovered that a diverse and inclusive teams produce, make better decisions up to 87% of the time. They make better decisions 87% of the time and make decisions two times faster with half the meetings. Oh, I like that. Shorter meetings, make faster decisions with a diverse group and um, deliver up to 60% greater results. Now, of course, all these things are based on circular research and they're trying to just get as inclusive as possible in the group. Um, and some of you may say, oh, but that's not true, isn't it, in church? Uh, the more diverse we are, the longer time we take to discuss matters, <laughs> right? The more diverse we are, it seems like uh, things get longer and longer. But hey, actually, if you come from a diverse church, the church that has different age group, you realize that a lot of things that we can learn from one another. Uh, Tim Elmore, which is a very famous leadership guru today, he, he has been advocating for this. There should be multi-generation in a church or in a business organization because each generation brings in a different perspective. Do you agree with that? Right, some of you are like, okay, let's see. <laughs> yes, it's true. Now, of course, if you study a bit of social studies, you'll get to know all these different terms, right? They have a term for every group, age group. Like there is the generation X, 
the millennial, the generation Y, the generation Z, the generation alpha. Are you all familiar with that? It's like some of you are like, mm-hmm. Some of you are like, uh-huh. Well, thank God for Google. You can go back and Google them. I'm not going to give you more talks about all these different, different generations. But the idea is this. Each of us who come out from a different era, a different decade, we are faced, we're faced with different environment. And our environment shapes us, right? Those of you who are born during the war era, you will face with certain environment that we from this current generation will never face. We have not encountered any war in our lifetime, right? Those of you who are born before the IT came into the world, uh, things get very simple. You just focus on what you do today in your own local space. But today is a very different world. The world has come into such a global state that the world is flattening so fast. You can't just care for your own world. You have to talk about what's going on around the world. So we are faced with different environment and that shapes us differently. So when you bring the team together, and if you only have one particular group, then you can only minister to one particular group in a society. Right? That is sad. Because God called us to serve all generations. In fact, when the church was first birthed in this world, in the book of Acts, remember that? When Peter first preached the first sermon, he quoted a verse in the Old Testament, um, Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And in Joel 22, chapter, chapter 2, verse 28, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. That's what Joel prophesied. And that's the first quotation that Peter preached about. What is happening in the church at that time when the Holy Spirit came about and the people started speaking in tongues and he talked about this passage. In other words, God's intention for the church and His kingdom is always multi-generation. It's not just for the parents. It's not just for the old people. It's also for the young people, your sons and daughters, young men will see what? Visions. Old men shall dream dreams. Of course, they don't just sleep and dream, <laughs> right? But the idea is that everyone in the community, everyone in the society has a part to play in God's kingdom, in God's church. And we are the church. We are called to be God's community to the world, Right? We're not here just to serve one particular slice of the society. We're not just here to, for the children or just for the youth, but we are for everyone. The identity of the church that God has founded us on is built on that, that we are a community to be the light and salt to the rest of the world. And so as a community, as a multi-generation church, there's so much benefits we can get from one another. Like your pastor say, I come from a very old church, a church named First Assembly of God, Kuala Lumpur, which is the first AOG church in Malaysia, the first registered one, okay? Um, and it is located in a place called Waisekai in Cantonese, uh, Jalan Sayur in Bahasa, okay? If you happen to go to Pudu, not the jail, the jail is no more there, but somewhere in Pudu, find ways use ways to type in um, Jalan Sayo, then you'll find First Assembly. It's a very old church. Um, we are about to celebrate our 85th anniversary. So I came from that church. 
my family came from that church. In fact, my grandfather was the first batch of Sunday school in that church. Interesting, huh? First batch. Some of you are like, what's, what's a big deal? Oh, it's a big deal, you know? How many of you have your grandfather have, was the first batch of uh, Sunday school kid in your church? Not many of us can do that, right? And uh, my family, my grandfather, his children, that means my parents, and then me, we worship in that same old church until today. Same old place, all right? And not only that, actually, my grandfather's parents also attend the church. But I can't say they are the first generation because they got saved after my grandparents, so I'm the third. But it depends on how you calculate it, I can be the fourth as well. And then now my nephew and also, of course, my children attend the same church as well. So we come from a church that has multi-generations. We have many big families there and we intermarry our families. <laughs> I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Like, oh, every time you have a wedding, everybody gets involved because it's either you marry that family or that married family. <laughs> It's always family, right? Because there's so many generations there. So uh, I can testify to you. We have so much we can gain if we truly abide as a family of God with different generations. We can learn much from the senior with their wisdom that they can bring in. A recent, a recent TED Talks that I came across, they start calling all these seniors as sage. You know, sage, like very wise men. You know? they, they may not have the energy like the young people. They cannot work very fast. Sometimes when they talk also, they start to talk slowly. And sometimes they may repeat certain things. But they are very wise. You know, wise. Like Gandalf, very wise. You don't know what I'm talking about. You don't watch Lost of the Ring. Is it not banned here? No, no right? Okay. So, <laughs> so, right, very wise. They give you very good advice because they have gone through lives. They have lived through it. Right? Then we, we get those Young adults, those, those adults, right? Businessmen, uh, marketplace people, they are very resourceful, isn't it? They have all the networks, they have you know, built up their empire, their business, their society, they have run the ranks, they have all the networks, they get everything done. So if, if your church is lacking of adults, huh, it's only young people, huh, you cannot do things, right now Because you've got no money. Why are you don't laughing? It's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> but it's a fact. Right? Those people who are in their 40s and 50s, they get all the resources by. That is their prime age. It's you get all the resources. And you get benefit a lot from them. Then you come to the younger ones, the youth, the teens. They have all the energy. Right? You, you tell all the older ones, jamla, jamla, like that. <laughs> we get young people, they get very excited. They will jump, they will do all things, right? They will run. You know, churches in KL and PJ, they like to do a lot of marathons. Run! Do they do it here? like marathons, uh, and then they do a lot of exercise, do workouts, you know, gym is a big thing now. Um, so they get all this energy, come to church, they are very excited, you do all things, arranging chair, get them to do it, you know, they're, they're all with the energy. Uh, in fact, you should use up that energy, if not, they use it somewhere else. So energy, young people have a lot of energy. And of course, the children, they're very simple in their faith. See, see if you are really open enough, even the children, you can learn something. You know, my son, my son is only four years old, but he knows how to pray. He already knows how to pray. Whereas, uh, my auntie is, I shouldn't say her name, her age, but it's quite, there, uh, 
Until today, dare not pray. You know, hey, don't ask me to pray. Don't ask me. You got such people, right? Hey, don't ask me to pray. And my, my, my son, you ask him to pray. Oh, dear Jesus, he will pray for us all. Simple faith. But that's why you learn. Each generation, we have something to contribute. And God called us together in this one place, in this one church. And we get all this blessing. So multi-generation is a blessing from God. It is not an obstacle. It is not a problem of church growth. It is God's intention and God wants us to grow as a family. You know, those Jews, eh, back in those days, when they have their synagogue, when they go to their synagogue, I visited one. The nearest one you can go to is in Singapore, but you need to ask permission. They, they are very serious people. So they actually have names put on the bench. And when you look at the names, you will know that they are all family members. So each family have a bench. They have to sit with their... Of course, women have to sit in another place, but the father and the son will sit together side by side in worship service every time. And that is why they teach their children, this is the community of God. We worship God together. No one is excluded. No one is excluded. You don't seem excited with it. That means you are not excluded, no. Even though you may old or maybe young. You are included in God's plan. And that is what God wants us to show the world, that we are God's community, being blessed by God. Now, having said so far, you might be saying, Pastor, don't you think you're a bit idealistic? Oh, you know that, yeah, multi-generation is good and nice, sounds very good, but come on, come down, to, come down from your cloud. You know, we, we have all these meetings and all these things, we struggle, you know, Pastor. You think I don't know? I come from an 85 years old church, you know. I have lived through it. I have seen enough. Our church have two times church splitted. And uh, young people get kicked out. Not just young, old people also get kicked out. Things happen in our church. We have gone through it, seen through it, survived it. And therefore, I can testify to you, of course, it's not easy. Right? It's not easy. Many times, um, you know, for young people like us, when we propose something to the church, um, sometimes the church don't even want to bother, consider. Say, hey, lah, these young people never think through. One. Uh, you never thought through things. Uh, just simply say things. You got kicked out. Right? We get very disappointed. Oh, I've been through that. I've been through that. Right? Then sometimes the old people come to church. They just tell the young guys, hey, something you done not right. Ah, you don't understand. You don't understand. They kick out the old man. Poor thing. It happened before, I've seen it, right? This divide between ages, between generations, is real. I know that. It's real. Why? Because one of the main things that I have observed, why church divides? Why the generation don't work together? One of it, because there are many other factors, but one of the things that contribute to this divide is this, that we are actually not really listening to one another. We are not really opening up ourselves to one another. Instead of listening, we build walls. Instead of coming together, we divide ourselves. Instead of helping one another out, we are trying to criticize one another. And it happens. I have seen it happen in my life, in a church life that I've been through. But the good news is, it is possible to overcome it. It is possible to overcome it. We can come together. Tell our neighbor, we can come together. 
Tell, tell your neighbour, you can come together. It's possible to overcome this issue. There is a way out. It's not the end. Otherwise, I won't be standing here today. Right? I come from a third generation. Oh, if I want to divide, gone already. But still, God calls me in. So there is a possible way to work it out. And it starts off with listening. We need to learn to listen. Right? That's what I want, to, want us all tonight to get back. In case you forget anything else, remember this thing called listening. Okay? Now, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. I'll bring you to a passage written by Paul. Colossians 3, 18 to 4, verse 1. Um, yeah, this is a household quote that Paul talks about, about church life, that how you should live as a community. Um, and he's given us very practical instructions here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, I read from the New International Version. It says here, Wives, submit yourself to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Husband, love your wife and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Father, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it. And not only when their eyes is on you and curry their favour, but this sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slave with what is right and fair, because you know that you have a masters in heaven. Now, a similar household code you can also find in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, 21 to chapter 6, verse 9. Household code is what ancient people, um, when they teach about ethics, about philosophy, about way of life, they like to give some kind of guidelines, how, how a society should function together. And so for Christian community, Paul is giving us one, and it's found here in the text that we read just now. Um, of course, there are many things we can learn from this one passage. I won't go in deep detail with it. But like I said just now, my main focus today is just to talk about this one topic, about listening. Why? Because when you look at this passage, when Paul talks about wives submitting to your husband, husband love your wife, children obey, you'll find that the common theme, the main theme that is keep appearing here is the word submission and obedience. Right? Submission and obedience. And in order to submit and obey, the very basic thing all of us must do is to listen. If you don't listen, how are you supposed to submit? If you don't listen, how are you supposed to obey? Right? You must first listen. In fact, the Shema, the Jewish prayer that they pray every day, twice a day, they all begin with the word, listen. Hear, O Israel. That's listening. It's God commanding them, reminding them, we must learn to listen. Of course, we must learn to listen to God. Right? We are all called to listen to God. That is the fundamental thing that we need to do as Christians, as followers of Christ. But besides that, the next thing to do is listen to one another. And that goes between husband and wife. So the submission here is not just do blindly, but you need to listen to your husband. Your husband needs to listen to you as wife, right? Children need to listen to your parents. Parents also have to listen to the children. Don't be harsh with them. Masters have to listen to their slaves. Slaves have to listen to their masters because we do everything at the end of the day is to do it unto the Lord. So we must practice listening. 
Unfortunately, most people are not good at listening. Most people are not good at listening. And that's one reason why the church are so chaotic sometimes, because the generation are not listening to one another. And I'm going to list to you six bad listening habits, okay? Six bad listening habits um, that this guy called Tim Elmo, he, he proposed these six things, which I find very relevant. Now, as I list them to you, what I want you to do is you think about yourself. Now, don't think about other people, okay? As many people of you straight away, oh, that sounds like my father. Oh, that's my mother. Don't, don't do that. Think about your own self, whether you have committed such a crime before. Okay, shouldn't use the word crime. Have you committed such a bad habit before, okay? Can you do that? Uh, not so good. Can you do that? Yeah, so it's more reflective. Huh? This, this sermon is more reflective. Okay, the first one. The first one is called judgmental listening. What is judgmental listening? And that means when you're listening to someone, before you even listen, you already jump to conclusion. Uh, for example, you look at a young guy, before he will tell you something, this guy got nothing to offer me because too young. He's a young guy, what can he know? You already make a judgment. So it's a judgmental listening. Or another, another perspective from the young guy to the older ones. Oh, this old man, uh, he will know nothing about... Uh, Avengers, like, come on, he's too old. Like, I can't know anything about that. You already make up your mind that this guy would not know. So whatever he or she says, you will not listen. Judgmental listening. Have you ever done that before? Like different generations or even within your family, before someone says anything, in your mind you already prefix it won't work. In your mind you already think that this guy has nothing best to offer. This guy is too old or too young to offer something. That is judgmental listening, first one. Secondly, selective listening. What is selective listening? You only listen to what you like to hear. You only listen to what you want to hear. Now, of course, for young people, it works very well in the sense that a lot of people, when they talk to you, you know, young people particularly, when you praise them, they get very happy. Woo, I like it, so I listen to you. But when you criticize them, oh, they shut their mind. Oh, I'm not going to listen because very selective. Have you ever talked to someone after you talk the whole sentence? Actually, they only pick up one or two things, but the rest they're not listening because all other things doesn't seem that they, they like it. So it's very selective. Only hear one or two things. And I thought I tell you everything. What? Uh, I didn't get that. You got that? That is selective listening. Now, don't talk about other people. Remember. Only check about yourself. Have you done selective listening? And when you're listening to sermons, right? Only sermons that motivate you, you listen. Sermons that scold you, uh, not me. Not, this must, must be not from God. Huh? Selective listening, right? Third one, impatient listening. What is impatient listening? When, when you're listening to someone talking to you, before the person even finished the sentence, you cut the line and say, oh, you're trying to say that, is it? Right? That's very impatient listening. I've seen it happen a lot of time, especially when you see young fellas listening to the older ones. And then sometimes the older fellas may take their own time to talk. You know, they, they're old already, so they need breath. You know, they need to catch their breath. They cannot take, speak as fast as me now. You know? They cannot. They have to talk slowly. And then young people get impatient. They listen halfway. Uncle, are you trying to say this, is it? Uh, just cut the story short. Lah. Why are you going to do round and round and round? Just tell me point one, two, three, enough. Right? Uh, that is impatient listening. By the way, uh, for young people, just to take note of this, don't ever do that. 
If you do that, uh, it's really disrespectful. Truly. Um, that's one reason why a lot of older ones say the young people today, very impatient. The young people today, they don't bother to listen. Actually, it's not that they don't bother, it's just that they, they are impatient. Uh, they cut you short, right? Have you done that? Impatient listening. Fourthly, egocentric listening. Now, what is egocentric listening? That is, when you're listening to someone, you're not actually listening, but in your mind, you're finding ways to respond. You know, so you're thinking about yourself, not about what the person is speaking. Right? That is egocentric listening. When you're listening, you're not really listening, but you're thinking about what is the next thing I want to say to this person. Now, this happens very frequently in argument. That is, when, you, when someone is speaking, you're not listening, but you're trying to defend yourself. Have you ever seen people argue? Like they, they shout at one another, and then they shout even louder from time to time because they're not listening. Can't you hear what I'm saying? They keep shouting, and they get louder and louder because they're not listening. And when the other party starts to speak, they are forming their defensive argument. So they keep arguing one another and one another. It keeps happening like that. It also goes according to ages. Right? If, if you're older ones speaking to a young guy, you tell them this is not something you should do. Sometimes they get very defensive. Have you seen a defensive person? Right? You can give their honest opinion. This is for your own good, but they straight away form their shield and then they start responding you with, all thousands of one excuses why I'm right. Now, that is egocentric listening. They're not listening. They're just thinking about themselves. Right? Fifthly, patronizing listening. Now, this is worse than egocentric. What is patronizing listening? And that is, you're pretending to listen. You're not even listening. But just, just pretend to listen and then you go into your own world. Now, this happened a lot, probably during sermons time, I suppose. People just pretend, mm, um, but actually they are thinking about what is next supper, what, what should we eat afterward, where should we go. So they are always somewhere, right? Now, it happens. Even in, when, when I go into the church team leadership, right, team meetings, we have young and old together. And uh, this doesn't just happen to the young person. Sometimes young person, they will doze off on, you know, because they have their phone with them. If you want them to concentrate, take away their phone. That's the easiest way. The moment they have their phone, they cannot concentrate on Guarantee one, I can show you. Like some of them are doing it now. So anyway, so, and I'm not here to bash the young people, by the way. But it also happens to the old one. Ah, older fellas also happens, not just for the young people. I've seen it. So, so it's very, quite interesting. I'm, I'm very young pastors, right? But my team leaders, some of them are much, much older than me. So when it comes to a certain discussion, I know and some of them just doze off one. You know, they're there but not there. You know what I'm trying to say? Right? They're there but not there. They just pretend to listen. Now, just a tip for you parents. If you're talk to, talking to your children and then, and you know that they're patronizing, in other words, they pretend to listen but they're not listening, right? I, I tell you what is the best thing to do. The best thing to do is stop talking. And then ask them back, what did I just say? Uh, what did I just say? If they cannot answer you, that means they're not listening. <laughs> That's one way to pull it off. Right? If you keep on talking, no point. Right? So, so what did I just say? All the young people here, what did I just say? <laughs> so, I hope that you're not patronizing me. So, patronizing listening. Okay, that's not too bad. There's one worse one. The last one is the worst. It's called stubborn listening. What is stubborn listening? That means you're not opening up to listen. 
you already frame in your mind, fix in your mind your decision. So when people tell you something, you're not listening at all. You're a close-minded person, and that is stubborn listening. Now, this one happened all the time. When a young guy tells an older one, I have a great idea, I have a brand new idea. Instead of, wow, what? tell me, tell me. Already in your mind, you know this won't work. Okay? Already in your mind, you fix up, okay, this thing won't work. Forget about it. So when the person starts talking, you don't even bother to listen. You just wait until the person finish and just tell them this won't work. It happens. I've seen it. Um, mostly with the young one telling the older ones. Um, when, when the older ones tell the young fella, the young fella will also say this won't work. Why? Because they say, you are dinosaur age one. You don't understand my generation. What you do back then won't work now. Do you know that? Right? They keep saying the same thing. Because they're not going to consider, they already fixed up in their mind, both young and old. It's a fixed thing. I'm already close-minded. That is stubborn listening. Right. So six bad listening habits I've listed to you. I repeat it again. Judgmental listening, selective listening, impatient listening, egocentric listening, patronizing listening, stubborn listening. Now, I want you to do this. Simple exercise. Speak to someone next to you on your left or right. Ask them honestly of the six, which one you paling teruk, uh, which one is worse for you. Uh. You, you do it most frequent. Ask your friend now. Try that. Huh? Be honest now. We are in a church. Huh? Be honest a bit. Okay, do that now. I'll give you one minute. Just ask your friend or the neighbor, left or right. Of the six uh, so far, which one you think you've done the, the most frequent? Uh? Yeah, la, me also. La, uh, we all sinners saved by grave anyway. <laughs> give you a minute to do that. Maybe some of you say, I've never done any of this six. I always listen attentively. Maybe that is why you are still stubborn. I'm just joking, by the way, pulling your leg. Right? We, of course, all of us are not perfect. Like I said, these are some of the possible causes, right? That cause divides in the church between generations because we are not listening to one another. We pretend to listen. When we listen, we give wrong feedbacks. We are thinking about ourselves. We are being close-minded. We are being selective. We are being judgmental. And that caused miscommunication. That caused divides. And that's where coming together as a multi-generation church will be a struggle. But like I said, it is not impossible to overcome it because Christ has shown us right, through the way He deal with the disciples, through the way He encouraged the church to be one, right, there's always this power of God that works with us so that we can come together. Now, I don't want to end the sermons with these negative habits. I want to end with good habits. So as church members, as a member of the church, what can I do to listen to one another so that we can build this community together as a family, what can I do? Now, I suggest to you three good habits that you should cultivate. Three good listening habits that all of us can learn. It is doable. It is not impossible. Okay? Now, the first good listening habit is this. When you listen, listen with an open heart. Listen with an open heart. Be open. When you see another person, whether they are older or younger, you see them as a gift from God. 
See them as an asset, not a trouble, not a problem. I'm so angry with people keep saying, young people today are problem. If you keep on saying like that, they will be a problem for you. Because you already prefixed in your mind. You've got to be open. You've got to see them as a gift from God. They may not be as wise as you, but they get the energy. They get the enthusiasm. They are all on fire. They can do a lot, a lot of things. Right? Don't look down on young people. Most of the reformers of the days were young people. Now, of course, it goes both ways as well. I'm also very sick and tired of young people complaining that the old ones are no good. They are just an obstacle for growth. Nonsense. If you don't have the older ones, you are not here, you know. <laughs> you won't be here if not the older ones who fought the battles, who start off the church, who build the foundations. I think the problem is when we start tagging one another and say you are no good, you don't understand, when we start putting that at the front line, then there's no more discussion. We need to change that. We need to be open. We need to see one another as gem, as gift that comes from God. So the first thing we need to overcome is our eyesight. Listen with an open heart. Seek first to understand before we make comments. Right? Understand it first. Listen with an open heart. Seek first to understand. Okay, what is it about? You know, now, this is something I, because I'm young, I will speak a bit more about young people. When someone comes to you with a wild idea, older folks, if someone comes to you with a wild idea, it doesn't always mean a bad idea. The idea may sound wild, may sound dangerous, may sound ridiculous, but sometimes you need such a thing to shake the boat a bit, then you see things in a new light. Now, I learned this from Andy Stanley. This is what he said. Whenever someone comes to you, especially young people, they get this ridiculous idea. Deep down, you know that it won't work. Of course, you know it because out of experience. But instead of pouring cold water and says it won't work, please forget about it, change your direction and things like that, uh, this is what Stanley, Andy Stanley says. You wow verse. It's a wow, okay. <laughs> you just wow verse, you know? Uh, idea, the, the, the idea is you celebrate the person's initiative first, right? The person willing to tell you an idea. That is worth celebrating, isn't it? Better than someone who never say anything, just keep quiet, don't want to participate. That's worse. If someone willing to do something and they give you all these good ideas that they thought of, maybe wild, maybe ridiculous in your eyesight, but instead of, you know, covering them with cold water, wow, can you all say Wow. Wow! Oh, don't dare to say wow. Huh? It's seriously need to practice, you know. Because as very Chinese, uh, we are so used to che, che, not wow, you know. We have to change our culture, the way we speak, you know, so that we can encourage our young people to speak up more, to be more active in the church. That's one way out, to wow the idea. But of course, I'm not saying that you just gila gila with them, lah. Oh, crazy. Okay, do it, do it, let's do it. No, you have to bring them back to reality as well. <laughs> I'm a young pe people, so I know sometimes we give something very funny, some ideas that really out of the mind. 
Um, but instead of getting poor water, we, we get the wow first, then we feel happy. Oh yeah, you're listening. Oh yeah. Then slowly bring them back to their senses. Okay, that's a good idea. Let's talk about budget. Let's say, <laughs> then you're working, it's like, oh, it doesn't mean, you know, how this wouldn't work. Oh yeah, it wouldn't work. Then you bring us back to the senses, you know. You don't expect us to like, understand without telling us. I think young people today need to be told everything. Don't assume that they know everything. Even though Google is there, but Google doesn't help them everything, you know. They don't have the experience. They don't know what they don't know. Did you get that? They don't know what they don't know. I mean, I have a lot of students. Uh, seriously, they don't know what they don't know until you point out, oh, yeah, I don't know about that. Huh? Uh, recently, I just taught a, a lesson on uh, planning, you know, church planning. Do you know that when you do something, you need to plan six, six months ahead? Sometimes they just say, eh, need to plan one, man? I thought spirit leads one. They're very funny assumptions, you know, a lot of things are very funny assumptions. But anyway, my point is this, my point is this. Do not immediately trash them off. You know, anytime you get someone come to you, give you some wow, wow them first. You know, wow, very good. Huh? Then slowly bring them to their senses. Lead them one step at a time. So have you considered this? Have you considered that? You know, think about this area. Then they will slowly learn how to think for themselves. Young people need to learn how to think. Alright? Enough of the complaints. These young people don't know how to think. Then you teach them how to think. Ah, go to teach one. Ah, and uh, we jokingly say, common sense. No, these people don't have common sense. It's true also. It's true also. Have to teach, you know. Get the young people to buy the book, Common Sense. There's such a book now. So listen with an open heart. Secondly, listen with an empathic heart. Use your empathy when you listen. Now this goes both ways. When you listen to another, you don't just listen for the word, you don't listen for the content, but you listen for the emotion. What emotion attached to it? Now for, for the older ones to listen to the young ones, you know, they, they are very and their enthusiasm is very high. They have all this adrenaline. When you listen to them, uh, you also need to join in. Uh. You know, we'll share with you something excited. You, yeah, so what is it? Uh, tell me. No, uh, so, 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 tell me, tell me. Uh, whatever enthusiasm also get kills off, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? So when people are excited, you get excited. You know, even though it doesn't excite you, try to be one. You know, it's good. It's good. Then you feel young again. Isn't that good? All right. Wow, very good. Now, it works the other way around as well. When young people listen to the older ones. Now, this is something I learned personally. Because my family, we have three generations. When you listen to their story, now, old people like to tell story. I don't know about you, but my family, they like to tell story. Every time I go back to the church, and older ones will say, Hey, Victor, do you know uh, those days? Uh, no, those, when they start the word, those days are habits. Nah, there, there's, goes, nah. there's the story part that starts. Not just in church, you know. Even in Exco, they do the same. Oh, I don't want to say Pastor Isaac, but... <laughs> they will say, oh, those days, uh, those days. Uh. They will tell you all their stories. Now, some of you may get bored with the story. Say, hey, enough, lah, you know. Let's move on, uh, move on from the past. Now, you need to realize this, that the past is very important. It is the past that forms the present. Without the past, we won't be like what we are today. And when you listen to the past, don't just listen for the content. You listen to the emotion that comes along with it. See, people who give testimony, like my grandmother and my grandfather. My grandfather passed away uh, some years ago. My, grandfather's, my grandmother is still alive. She's 94 this year. Right? She still helps me to iron my shirt. <laughs> because keep active, ma. Uh, so give her something to do. Uh, and I can be a bit lazy. <laughs> 
So, and every time they talk about the war time, Japanese occupation, and uh, we all read it in the textbook. Oh, we read it, we know Lama, we know Lama, we know, you know all these things. But when they tell you from their mouth, the emotion is attached. And when you listen to them, it's a first-hand experience. You get a totally different dimension of the experience. And it enriches you as a person. It enriches you as a person, seriously. Now, I've never been to war. I've born in the year 85. Okay, you can, cal you can calculate my age. There's no war. Everything was peaceful. We have plenty of resources. But when you preach to a generation, multiple generations, when you interact with people who are older than you, you've you got nothing to say. Except you have learned much, listened much, feel through the older ones. And that's why I call the old people really are the sage. They are wise people. And their life experience cannot be bought with money. You cannot buy them. You cannot buy their emotions. And those things are real and irreplaceable. So if you hear some of the old ones tell you a story, if you have nothing better to say, just shut up and listen. Listen. It's worth your time. Some people ask me, how are you able to work in so many different positions? I have to deal, when I first preached in my own church, first assembly, I preached in my own church. 70% of the members older than me. Not just one, two years older. 40 years older, 50 years older than me. When you listen to them, you earn their respect. Young people, this is my tips for you. When you learn to listen to older ones, I mean not just patronizing listening, really listening, and you appreciate what they contribute, they will respect you. Then they will know this young man, this young woman is different. They're willing to take upon the wise man saying. Right? So listen with empathy. Don't just listen to the words. Listen for emotions. And of course, um, young people, just one more tip, right? just one more tip before we go to the third one. Young people also sometimes when they talk to you, they, their eyes are a bit scary. Nah? They don't like to walk, look at you in your eyes. Do you, do you realize that? Now, now based on when you talk to young people, they look down, they look here, look up. One of the reasons, I think, is because they're so used to their phone uh, or the gadgets. Uh, they don't know how a light... They, they, they get scared when people stare at them. Ooh, why you look at me? <laughs> to listen with empathy, you need to look into the eyes. I've learned that through counselling class. Right? Those of you at the counselling. You need to observe in their eyes and through that you can see. That's why they say an eye is a window of the soul. You can see through the eyes the emotion and things like that. So young people, this is something for you to learn. Not just you need to shut up <laughs> and listen, but try to learn to observe through your eyes and see people. When people talk to you, look at their face. If you're scared of their eyes, look at their nose. At least closer. Uh, try that. Uh, later we'll practice. Uh, you get scared, right? Later we'll practice. Okay, listen empathetically. And finally, finally, we need to listen with a seeking heart. And that is, when you're listening, we want to discover the truth. We want to discover what is good, what is noble, what is adorable. In other words, before you make any, any decision, you listen first. 
whether the young people come to you with wow idea or the old people come to you with some kind of archaic idea, listen, you may discover something that can work for you. There is truth in every conversation. just a matter of whether you manage to discover it or not. If you don't know what, ask questions. Right? I think my son asked too many questions because he's four years old. Everything, anything he will ask. But that is how children learn. And although you get fed up sometimes, ah, so many questions, but you will respect, you, you will appreciate that the desire to discover the truth for themselves, that is remarkable. So when you're conversing with someone, it works both ways. Don't just listen, ask questions to find out more. Ah, some of you like, I have enough of this young guy, what else do I want to ask him? Right? Think of something now. Right? So what do you think about next step? Always ask them, what's next? Have you considered this? The same way goes with the younger one listening to the old. When you're listening to the old stories, right? Don't just listen, oh, okay, okay. But ask them more. So what happened? So how, how do you survive? You know, my grandmother keeps telling me the same old story that he, she got survived from one big flood. There was a big flood in my, my house. And then there's this one taxi, ta- taxi driver, so happened passed by. And I can memorize the whole story because it's repeated so many times. But every time I will ask her, so how? And if she will get excited to talk and more and more. See, the moment you are curious, people will pour more to you. But the moment you think you're so smart already, I also don't want to waste time on you. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So it goes both ways. Listen with a seeking heart. So as a church, all generations, this is not just for young people, by the way. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not here to bash young people. I'm young myself. Because I'm young, I can speak for my generations. But all of us need to learn how to listen better in a more attentive way. We need to listen with an open heart, listen with empathy, with emotion, listen with a seeking heart to discover what is the truth. We need to practice that. With that, then the church can come together. If we truly listening to one another, I believe many things can be overcome. Many misunderstanding, miscommunication can be overcome. And that's where the church can grow strong, united as one. I'll end the sermon with this passage from James 1.9. James 1.9 says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That is the principle of unity. We must learn to listen to different generations. Okay? Now, I'm going to do an exercise now. We're going to pray for one another. But what I want you to do is, I want you to pray for someone not of your generation, if that's all right. Go and find someone who is younger than you or older than you, as long as they are not of your generation. And now, usually when you pray for somebody, right, you just simply pray. I want you to look into their eyes, ask them what I can pray for you. Ask them, look into their eyes, okay? Eye to eyeball, huh? Look into their eyes, what I can pray for you. Then only you pray, both ways, okay? Not just one for the other, but I pray for you, you pray for me. Is that all right? Okay, everybody stand up. Let's walk around. Find someone not of your age group and pray for the person. We are a church. We are a family.
we can pray for one another.